Welcome to the Food Connected Podcast. My name is Lonnie Sweet, the CEO of the Connect Group. Today we're going to be talking with my buddy Matt Lallon, the CEO of Star Power, a global influencer and talent agency, about how their business has evolved over the years with the advancement of social media and what role chefs and culinary play in their business moving forward. We hope you enjoy and thanks for listening. All right, Matthew Lallon, CEO of Star Power. Welcome to Food Connected Podcast. How you doing, buddy? How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Great this, to be here. This, Great to be here. This is this is exciting. This is all kind of new to me. So you're my third person that I'm interviewing and talking with here. And for me, the first two were were good friends of mine. Um, but you and I have a long history as well. So I'm excited to kind of just chat, shoot the shit, have some fun, talk for a little bit. Hopefully, uh, you can express some wisdom on whoever's going to listen to this damn thing. I am very, very hurt that I was not in the top two, and I'd like to understand who the top two were before we move any forward. So the top two were Jeff Fernandez from the New York Jets. Okay. I definitely have never played football before, so I no, I'm, no, no, I'm no. He, he has not played the game. He's in the front office. We've done a ton of culinary stuff together. So going back to Got Super it. Bowl from 14 and and Jets and Chefs, and he's been kind of a go-to culinary guy for me. Yeah. And then Peter Flesvig, who was over at Intersport, who is the general manager of culinary. Um, nice. He, I just happened to have met with him like three days before we did this podcast. So he was an interesting oh. perspective because I've, I've never, first off, I didn't know Intersport had a culinary division, which I thought was super cool. Um, yeah, well, there you go. So that's why. So you're, you're right up there. I will, I will tell you right now that I had another one this morning and like the schmuck that I am. I got done with it. I was like, oh, let me let me listen to this podcast. It sounded like it was cool. It was with a good friend of mine who's the, the CEO of Acreage Holdings, which is a cannabis company. And okay. uh, lo and behold, something screwed up and it didn't tape. Ay, ay, ay. How about that? Well, hopefully this one is worthy of keeping. It is. It's not that it wasn't worthy of keeping. It was a great call. I just, for some reason, it didn't, uh, it chose not to, to tape and I didn't realize it till the end. So anyway. <laughs> Needless right. to say, well, I'm we can happy only to go up. How about this? We can only go up from this morning. That's How about it, that? Man. That's it. So, so let's do this, go. man. So, uh, just for everybody to understand, you and I have known each other for probably I, I don't know 15 years. You know, dating back to your Steiner Sports days. Uh, sure. I've been friends over the years. Have not done nearly enough business, but we'll get into that. Um, but what I what I'd love for you to do is just quickly, you know, talk about Star Power, talk about you and Jared starting the business, kind of. Uh, what you guys do, where you came from, where you're going, all that kind of good shit. Sure. sure. Well, first of all, in, in all seriousness, thanks for uh, being one, one of your first few guests. It's, uh, I am a, a huge fan of what you've done in your career. And, you know, we've kind of grown up in this business together. So it's nice to kind of just take it full circle and just wrap out a little bit. So Jared and I started the agency Star Power. This is actually our 12th year. Um, and really the agency was founded under the principle and you could probably appreciate this because I feel like you've been on all kind of sides of the table from a negotiating perspective that at the time, 12 years ago, that we didn't see, we didn't see there being a lot of agencies that would actually help the, the respective brands, not just from a buying and selling of talent, 
but truly what we now call pop culture strategies, right? So using entertainment, sport, music, fashion, beauty, actually sitting at the table with the PR agency, with the ad agency, digital, media, across disciplines, and really quarterback and understand what the brands are trying to accomplish, and then using pop culture, as I say, a vehicle to help them go accomplish their brand goals. So fast forward now 12 years, we're 40 people, we're in New York, we have offices in New York on 21st and Broadway, we're in LA and Beverly Hills, and then we're in London and Soho because our business has been quite global lately, specifically this year, um, excuse me, in 2018, where we have clients such as Diageo and Estee Lauder and Bayer, um, The Gap, American Express, where when they have certain initiatives, we're actually wrapping out with them, with their agency partners, and trying to figure out whether it be talent, influencer, content, branded entertainment, where we can help be a solution and work with them. I had, I had a brand say to me the other day, do me a favor, never say that you're not a creative agency because what you're doing and how you're helping us work with influencers, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this a little bit, but the influencers are actually our creative capital. So please do me a favor, don't just call yourself an entertainment marketing agency. She's like, you're my creative shop. And I just that was like a moment for me where I was like, oh my God, like maybe we actually have something even deeper than I even you know, thought about maybe a year ago. So that's very high level, but hopefully that gives you a sense. But it's, it's all on the guy. I mean, I have to imagine in the last five years alone uh, that that has changed significantly, right? I, mean, I always try to tell, like I tell my kids all the time, you don't understand a world without a phone. And I'm dating myself and sounding like a real old man here. But the reality is when you and I started into this business, it wasn't just that the internet wasn't really all that popular. I mean, I, I have a story of you know sharing an office at, at uh, SFX a long time ago with somebody, and he was sending emails while I was sending faxes, and our boy Russ Spielman was always like, hey, just make sure that you're sending it and faxing it. And I looked at the kid that was in my office sending emails, and I'm like, hey, Schmuckle, what are you doing sending emails? Nobody checks those things. No, yeah. Nobody emails? What are you doing? And now fast forward to today, and listen, even you know seven, eight years ago, social media didn't exist the way that it is today. So, yeah. so the it, idea that your world has got to have changed about the way that you're analyzing talent, I mean, it had to have done a 360. Well, it has, and I think it's been one of the reasons that we've been able to scale the business the way we have because our, I would, I would say from end to end, whether it be through our casting, right, to so what influencer or talent might make sense for a program, but then also the M&E and the metrics and the analytics behind whether that campaign was actually successful or not is very clear. And we now subscribe to, I think it's as many as five or six third-party tools and now have also developed three proprietary in-house tools that are allowing the CMO of a brand X to be able to validate who that influencer, who that talent they might go to the president and say, this is who we want to actually put behind this brand. And here's why we think it makes sense. And it's almost like I say, it's like the equivalent of like Nielsen data from right. a media perspective. And, and now having that level, because again, to, to date myself, when we started out in this business, you know, it was cover your eyes and throw a dart 
at who you think, and you might have gone to like a Q score or an E score, but there's such a higher level of analytics that we play in almost like, you know, it's like back in the day when they, when Billy Bean came around, it was like numbers, 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 like our business has moved to that place. And so you're always going to have the intuition of you know, being an expert and knowing who might be good in front of the camera versus who might be really, really strong interfacing in, in more of a, a setting with, with, um, with clients there. But, laddering it back to the numbers has just been completely game-changing for our business. You know, it's funny that you say that because I have these conversations with you and, and guys like you and other agencies all the time because in my world, right, in the culinary world... other agencies like us, Lonnie. Well, okay, that's, 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 that's okay. true, that's true. But in, in my world, in the culinary space, right... The, the reality is, and, and I've got some some good chefs, you know, Ludo's got whatever, 140,000 on Instagram, but comparatively to other people, that that's nothing. In our right. world, it's actually a lot. And so we have, I, my challenge all the time is having conversations, even with, with your people, right? You guys do such a good job at the analytics and you look so strongly at the numbers, or at least some, some clients are demanding you to, that when the numbers come out, they're so far off, it's even hard to have a conversation, right? So I'm always trying to battle upstream and say, hey, listen, you know, you know, Ludo Lefebvre, is, forget his numbers for a second, right? They're strong in our world, but let's just forget these for a second. He's not a content creator influencer. He's a chef and one of the best in the world, and he happens to have a presence on social media as well. Now, some of that's us staying engaged with these guys and making sure that they're posting often and making sure that it's authentic. I'm just curious about how, again, I, I know the way I try to negotiate with you guys or at least have conversations with you guys because the budgets are always going to be less for somebody, or at least they've gone that way, for somebody that doesn't have a couple million followers where somebody that's got a couple hundred thousand followers, regardless of their influence, because Ludo's influence in the culinary world is significant, right? Even though his numbers don't say that. He's well-respected. He's one of the best in the world. So I'm curious about how you guys, how do you get around that? Or how do you take that into consideration? So I'll, I'll give you an example because, you know, we, we just spend five minutes, call it, on analytics numbers, analytics numbers. But it also always ties back to what the brand's trying to accomplish, right? So, like, take an example of a very recognizable 360 campaign we just worked on on behalf of our client, Colgate Palmolive, uh, where Alton Brown, uh, TV personality of Good Eats, is um, in, in a TV commercial, right? And, and it's funny, it, I didn't get that call. I saw that, but I didn't get that call. I must have missed yeah, that. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why you didn't get the call because <laughs> because the efficacy of what Alton Brown brings to the table, and you know this, he better was perfect than for it. There's nobody he, else actually it, that can do that other than him. He was great for it. So. So th there's my response, right? So, like, you could have all the numbers in the world, and quite frankly, his numbers is not big on social. But They're still pretty good, though, they, what do you think? They're okay. Yeah. They're okay. That's not what drove, that's not what drove that decision. Right. At the end of the day, that's why I say you have the analytics, but then you also get back to, like, what I always just say, like the sniff test of, like, what feels right. So if you're going to go have... A, a partnership that's strictly based on the numbers versus this is what Alton Brown's done his entire career from a science perspective, right? right you watch right, that show right. and you know, you know, he is, he is a scientist and, and that is what that brand and optic white at the time from just 
what is actually that product does, he, he was so spot on for it. So the only reason you didn't get the call was because you took a look at the boards and you're like, this is Alton Brown. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. And, and to double down on that, what I found to be so intriguing about just to the point of like, it's not just what he puts out there on TV, but it's who he is. Like really using the product really did his own calculation of what they, the, the, what he was going to say and making sure it truly was authentic, organic, and he would stand behind it 100%. Sure enough, it did. Yeah, he's so the like, real deal for that. He's, he's the real deal for that. Because, yeah. by the way, like three years ago, we had another deal for, for a microwave company for him. We sent him the microwave, and in not so many words, told us it was arguably one of the worst products he's ever used in his life. <laughs> and while the money, and while the money is probably eight times what he would normally get, he has to respectfully say no. Good so I think, him. like, in, it, yeah, good for him. And and you know what, the clients, as you know, they appreciate that shit. Yeah. So like, like being able to share that anecdote, and I think like that's why you could go numbers. And yes, our business has evolved and it's changed. And you know, th- there's so many different layers that we can go with this conversation. But like at the end and end of the day, the reason that worked is not because he had blip amount on social or blip amount on Facebook, Instagram, but it was because there was a product that he believed in and that people would believe him sharing his story with them. Yeah. And that's what, and that's really from a storytelling perspective, that's the game we're in. And when that happens, it works. And by the way, it's working. Yeah, I'm so I'm happy to hear that you guys are doing that. I still get these phone calls where people are trying to, again, they're more transactional influencer agencies, right? Those ones that are saying, hey, we got 500 bucks and you know whatever, you got 50,000 followers, we're gonna be 500 bucks for a, a tweet or a post or whatever it may be. I, I I find them borderline offensive, to be honest with you, right? We we get those calls and you know I talk to these usually younger kids, right? I mean that they're getting into yep. the space and and listen, I appreciate the hustle and I and I think. You know, there's a lot of people that would say yes um, to those types of things because they don't seem, they don't seem to be negative at all. What I tell these guys, and especially with the clients that we rep, they don't do a lot of posts, right? So when you're just throwing shit up against the wall, and I know you guys look at it from the brand side, I can tell you we look at it from the from the influencer side. You know, when you don't do a lot of posts, if you put one up that's not authentic to what you are, it does impact what you're doing. I mean, you can see the numbers of people that decide not to follow you. Um, you know, again, you can see the gauge of how many new followers and, and versus how many you're actually losing. Negative yep. posts or non-authentic posts that people stop following you. And so, yep. you know, we we impress upon our clients all the time. And we, we've got a guy, Eduardo Garcia, um, who's a new guy that we just started working with. He posts probably... I don't know, three or four times a week, maybe. Um, and it's not that much, and they're all very heartfelt, and they're all very authentic. And, you know, we, we're having conversations with brands, and they're saying, well, all right, we just want one post a month. And my response is, listen, I understand it's not a lot, but but in his world it is. So let, yep. let's talk about not just his brand, but your brand, and you guys don't want to come across as unauthentic. And I, and I think the balance of what you guys are doing from a star power perspective and engaging with the brands and making sure that they're making those right decisions opposed to just, you know, doing a shitload of posts for people that, that aren't necessarily engaged. It's, it's really important. Um, we can get into this more. I, I'm, I'm waiting for, I don't know if the ball to drop, but I'm waiting for, you know, that shark to jump, um, of where 
the numbers aren't the first thing that people look at, right? Again, there, there used to be, whatever, a handful of people had a million followers on Twitter, right? And now there's thousands of them. So the numbers can't, can't just be about the eyeballs because there's plenty of people to get to that point. Um, and I, I don't know it, where the, I don't know where the ball is going to drop, but it's going to happen soon at some time, I think. Well, I think also where a lot of people miss the mark, and and we talk about, and I think I, I said it before, we look at influencers and talent, and you know where even that word is just using just let, let's just use influencers for purposes of this conversation. That influencers are uh, you look at them as if they're a media platform. Right and how you could truly leverage that media platform and work with that media platform where they can benefit and also the brand can benefit. And if you go in with that mutuality, because it's amazing to me how many brands are willing to even, so you're coming in from the talent perspective, I'm coming from the brand perspective, right. where it's amazing how many brands are willing to spend money on influencers and put a real budget against it and then when you ask them what even their media spend is, is going to be against that, they're like, well, we haven't gotten to that yet. And so like we actually have set ratios that we counsel our clients on where if you're going to spend X on influencer, talent, however you want to call it, you better have a wide budget for the media spend because there's the potential. And even with some of your clients, if, if, someone, if I went to you and I said, here's what we'd like you to do. We'd like you to do these two or three posts, but here's how we're going to amplify them. Here's, yes. here's, here's your chef's audience. Here's the convergence of this brand's audience. So by us, because it's amazing to me sometimes how agents get so hard on, well, if you're going to amplify that, then that means that that's paid media and that means that we need more money. Right. But they're not even thinking how that can actually help their own client. I agree and now 100%. all of a sudden... Actually. Yeah, so now all of a sudden, if, if I can go to you and say for chef, for one of your key chefs that looking to you know, reach a certain group or, or looking to accomplish something, it, if all of a sudden I can say, yeah, I'm going to go put 80% of the budget, we're just giving you 20%, we're going to actually put 80% behind paid, and here are all the eyeballs that are going to see that. I got to imagine that's good for your client. Those are the partnerships that work the best. But it's sometimes the agent's, that try to squeeze you in here paid and immediately they're like, okay, now we need to talk about an advertising deal without really thinking of the world that we live in today that I think miss amazing opportunities for their clients and miss great partnerships that can last a very long time. I think that's been a significant paradigm shift. I, I, I agree. You know, I've never really heard somebody say it on, on the buy side, but I can tell you from my thought process side, it, back in the day, you know, you know, you, you you pay rights fees for name and likeness, and if it was radio, it's one price, and if you added TV to it back in the day, it was another price, significantly more. But I, I agree, there's so much, there's so much capital for a personality to gain by increasing their followers. That shift is that shift has happened, right? And and yeah. I think for probably some of the older guys, and listen, I can fight against it as much as I want to fight against it. Right and and try to you know sneak in some more dollars and gather more money, but it is true that in some ways, if you guys are dumping money against it, that's going to increase our social following or increase our reach. It's going to lead to more more friends or followers or whatever it may be. It gives us more leverage later to make more money on it. Um, what? Now, assuming that happens, right now there is also something to be said about the more that you guys are leveraging 
their name and likeness against it. So there is some fair balance that you got to play against it, uh, but it's not the same as it used to be. It's just simply not. And, and I think if everyone goes in eyes wide open and at least has a conversation about it, that we can right. actually share, that we could share on each other's equity and actually really help one another. It's just to me, I find it sometimes jarring when the agents aren't even asking those questions. Right. And unfortunately, like I don't get to do as many of those deals um, anymore, and I miss it. But like I just I see when I when I sit in in the staff meetings and I hear some of the challenges that our team are having on certain deals and, and it's, well, did we ask them this and, and how did they respond to that? And quite frankly, if, if the response is, yeah, whatever, fuck you, pay me. It's like, you know what? Those aren't the, those aren't the kind of the talent and or teams that you really want to work with right. because truth is it's never been more robust with content where you want to find the partners that really want to work with you into your point, not just the one-off post. And even if it is a one-off post has an eye towards something larger and wants to work towards something bigger in the future. Yeah. Let me ask you a question as we're just we, we're going down this path of influencers. Cause it's something that I'm trying to wrap my head around as we, you know, we're, we're venturing into this, you know, possibly representing social influence as well. Right. We don't really have a choice, right? It, yep. It's going that way. You know, whether it's our, our, our chef partners that are restaurateurs and true kitchen chefs that have a voice online, which they all do, or it's just food personalities that are, that are only online that are not necessarily kitchen people. Where I'm having a hard time at least finding really great people is that in the culinary and food space, right, food porn is, is huge, right? Yeah. For me, yep. that's one of those areas where there's so many people with large followings that are straight pictures they're just pictures right there's somebody yep. doing a you know they're they're breaking an egg yolk and they're getting it on there they're biting into a burger there it's the perfect pizza verse other ones that are actual content creators like I, I look at this girl Liza Koshi and she's obviously not a, a food personality but what what's really struck me about her is that she's as good of a writer as any Saturday Night Live personality you know what I mean she's writing skits she's writing content she's acting in it she's really a content creator versus a food porn person who's going out to some great dinners, taking some pictures with it, and has figured out the social sphere of getting followers. So I, I guess my question yep. to you is, like, how do you guys balance the, the real content creator versus food porn, pictures? Like, where does that balance come into play? And, and, and your, are your brand clients or the people that you guys have buying, like, that's got to be coming up now, no? Of course, of course. And I think to the point of everyone, and it's so like, I don't even like the word authentic or organic or, but, but I think ultimately I would go, if I was sitting in your seat, I would err towards the side of just great content because that's what brands, brands can't get enough of real, just strong content. Like I would almost draw the, draw, we, we just had a panel that, that I was just, it, it was really interesting to listen to for, for Lauder and in the, in the beauty space and how just how it's so critical in that space just to be true to your voice and true to your audience and, and who is following you. And just because brands are going to come and go, it's the ones that stay true to what their true DNA is that ultimately, quite frankly, at, at the end of this long race that we're all in, end up winning because they're going to see the right brand partnerships cross. 
And also, and also, which I really respect is when the influencers say respectfully, like that's not in my strategy moving forward. Also, because I'm going to ostracize my followership. And, and I think like, that's really fucking cool when I have influencers, because I'm always asking my team, why did that influencer say no? Like, I want to make sure a, it didn't have to do with money. And if it didn't have to do with money, I want to understand why just so that helps us for next time. And I would say the same thing in the food space, because obviously, you know, we play quite a bit in the spirit space. And, and I think just really the, the, the influencers that we're working with, whether it's, you know, the traditional Alton Browns or it's the beauty, it's the beauty influencers. It's really about following them in their evolution of, from a social and, and what their message is and making sure it's a consistent message, whether we agree with that message or not, is it consistent and that they're not deviating because they're getting brand, paid brand, by brand X, you know, flip amount of dollars and have that hashtag sponsorship at the end of their post. And I think like, those are the ones that you want to develop a relationship with because they're going to also push back on you and they're going to give you great content. Yeah. It's interesting. It, it really is. It's an evolution. And I, and I think, again, I, I don't know how many more platforms there's going to be here, but it, it really is amazing how many people think it's so easy to get into this space and get followers. But again, to your point, I think the ones that are really going to win over the next however many years are, are these real true content creators. Right? They're going to have power. I mean, more power than I think we can even realize right now. Because at some point, you know, they got their own, they got their own TV station right now. Right, and they're, yep. if they're putting good content up there, and it's consistently good content, right? They're not going to have wins every single time, right? There's there's failures all the time. I mean, again, use a Saturday Night Live analogy. If they do 20 skits a night, maybe five of them are are really funny. The other ones are halfway decent. Right? There's failures, but if as long as they're doing consistent content, they control a lot, right? And it's not like they don't own the content afterwards, which I think is really very different than every every other time before. These guys own their content. They own the libraries. And if it's Listen, good enough, I'm, there's there's time for them to use it over the years. I'm I'm a very private person, and I, I actually don't post and I don't share, and and it it blows my mind. Like my wife's an influencer; she has over thirty thousand followers. She has her own jewelry nice company. Job. Yeah, it's amazing. But the commitment in her sharing is is real. Yeah. It's real, and it's and I have a lot of respect. I have a lot of respect for influencers that have a positive message that put fun, interesting content out there. And I feel like it's the influencers that are doing that without necessarily a keen eye. Number one on where's the brand deal, right? Are the ones that are winning. And, and I think, you know, it's funny you talk old, new, old, new, but I think some of the fundamentals are the same, right? It's like you do something you love, you're going to go win in it. You do something that you're not chasing the dollar, you're going to win in it. And I think w what I've seen in as our business has evolved, because we have an influencer group here where, you know, we're not just so for, for our partners, we'll go sign a level talent, like, you know, call it the Alton Browns of the world. But then we're now on a regular we have campaigns where we're booking hundreds and thousands of influencers a week. So literally just, and a lot of it's automated, which is, which is just wild. 
But when you start getting into some of the meaningful partnerships, I think the fundamentals that we grew up in this business on still apply to that space as well. I sure hope so. I really do. I mean, I'm I'm kind of banking on Believe, it. Right? Lonnie. Yeah, Believe, Lonnie. Yeah. Believe. The, the idea that you're doing hundreds of thousands of deals a week or a month or a year, whatever it may be, and it's automated means it's a media buy. I mean, those are media buys. They're not. Those are eyeballs, and you're trying to capture them. And you know, whether you're giving an influencer hundred bucks or fifty bucks, you, I'm hoping that some of these guys don't get the false sense that they are quote unquote influencers. You know what I mean? Yep. And they're real influencers, right? I mean, listen. Yep. I think the idea of micro influencers is very real. Right, but there's there's a limit to that that value. Um, I think there is at least, um, unless it's done the right way, unless there's other platforms and other ways and other means offline that you can leverage, in which I think there always are. And I know that's the conversation that you guys have, and I've had it with you guys, you know, as well. It's like, listen, in addition to social, that's not the only way to get people to pay attention now, right? You still have media, and you still have PR, you still have advertising, you still have events, you still have experiential that all these people. You know, not that they tend to forget, but the easy one to lean back on because there is a metric to it, right? When your boss is asking you about well, how many people did see it, it's very easy to say, hey, you know, we've got this, um, you know, we've got this metric to use because it's easy to be able to find. You know, the other way is not so easy, right? The old, the old adage is like, how do, how do I know that this sponsorship worked? Most of the time, guys would be like, well, we don't really know if it worked, right? We can tell you how many people were at the stadium. We can tell you how many people watched on TV. But we don't know how many times if that banner really worked, and that's the reality of it sometimes. And and I think the other reality is 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 scale, right? And right, I think exactly. And I think you know, for us and the brands, and we've been blessed to have some amazing brands that we work with that are big Fortune 100 brands that need scale, and right. the micro influencers and the volume and the scale that you can apply it to. And also we haven't even touched, which I'm sure when you invite me back for the next one, we can get into the global reach and, and just looking at these massive global brands and how they can apply. I hate to use the word automation, but actually the scale that comes with that micro influencer concept is real. I mean, it's, it's real. And then, again, I don't want to pretend that that's the only approach, but when you take that and then meld it into a true marketing mix and a true campaign that goes through the line, it's powerful, and you can really touch a lot of people when doing it. Yeah. So, listen, we, we only have like 10 more minutes because I know you got to run. Here's what I want to understand from you guys because it's important to me, and I think for this purposes of culinary, it's important. You know, I, I always, you know, when I when I started this agency and got into the culinary, my whole position was I, I really believe the culinary can be one of those big tent poles, right, compared to sports, entertainment, music, right? Are, how are you guys seeing culinary and chefs comparatively to sports and entertainment, right? You guys are buying a lot of talent. Is it coming up in the conversations and you can't find the right people? Is it truly part, is, is it? really what I believe it to be being that other tentpole or is it still lagging behind a little bit? No, I think it's there. I, I think it's actually, it's absolutely there. But the thing that I would say is I almost, and I think this is a good thing for your genre is I think talent influencers, they want to be chefs, right? So like, I actually think that's a great thing. Like we, we actually 
recently partnered uh, Rachel Brosnahan with uh, American Express. And, and one part of it, because it was around the holidays, was her sharing a recipe that was really true to her family around the holidays and provided the recipe and how to make it and just the story behind it. And I always like laugh when I watch, I used to watch the, uh, the, the food network show where they would have the competition and you would just always hear like Bobby Flay talk about like, you have to have a story behind that because there's such a connectivity, like on a personal level. And, and I think that is absolutely the case in your world. And I think it's a very, speaking from someone that truly like food is just such a huge part of my life um, and just everything behind it and just the vibe and what that means and the restaurants you go to and kind of the company you keep and what you like and where you go. I, I think it's never been stronger actually. And, and I think in a world that is so damn polarizing right now that that is something like we can all kind of agree on that. We all just want to sit down, have a good meal and laugh with friends and family. And I think it's almost like a comforting thing. And, and I don't think it's going anywhere soon. So I think the idea of how to apply that to corporate America and how from a brand perspective, people can leverage that and use it the right way is obviously why there is very much a, a lane for you to play in this crazy ecosystem of, of entertainment that, that yeah. we decided to go down. But I, I think it's just, how do you use those emotions to tap the consumer the right way where they kind of have that great feeling that they have when they sit down for Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever that might be. So I guess it's a very long way of saying, I don't think it's going anywhere. I think we've seen it pick up, but I think the one difference I would say is, is that it's not just let's go to Bravo. Let's go to food network. Let's go to all of these platforms to see who, you know, the faces of them are. I think celebrities in general of playing or at least trying to play in this yep. world well. Yeah, I mean, listen, you've got you know, you've got uh, Steph Curry's wife, Aisha Curry. I mean, she's a perfect example of somebody who had a passion for food and was able to leverage, you know, her, you know, her relationship with her husband obviously. And she happens to be really good on TV. She's turned it into an, an amazing business. I mean, you've got, you know, Tiffany Thiessen doing the same thing. There's a lot of them out there. I I guess I was First off, I agree with you. I don't think this is going anywhere. I think it's not that it's just getting started, but I think there's a lot of room for growth. I think to your point, the passion, the emotion, the feeling, I've always compared it to every other genre, sports, music, right? For me, there's certain moments in my life where a song means something. It's got a visceral, emotional experience, same way with sports. I feel the same way about food, right? There's certain emotional physical connections to certain foods or smells that I feel that as a marketer and the way that you guys think and hopefully the way your brands thinks, those are the moments and experience that you go to try to find, right? And that you try to attach to. And I think the creative portion is how do you leverage them? How do you bring them out? How do you tell that emotional story so you can leverage whatever that feeling is to help sell whatever the hell you're trying to sell? Right. Yep. And, and listen, that's what advertising is at the end of the day, right? We can fool ourselves that there's an emotional connection between Budweiser and whatever it may be. They're trying to sell more beer. That That's their job, right? They're not. So now, I, I think the, cl- the clever, like, I don't know if you watch a million little things. I don't. Um, 
Yeah, so so it's a How Sean are you doing that with two young kids, by the way? I mean, that that's even more amazing to me. DVR, baby, DVR. <laughs> you know, and and it gets and it, my wife and I watch it at, at weird times, but it's a great show. We've 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 really enjoyed it, and it and we were watching last night, and I just thought it was incredibly a bright move where um, one of the characters is going in to pitch an agency on using, I think it's Hillshire Farms ranch dressing, if Hillshire Farm has ranch dressing, um, in, in their campaign. And he gave an idea that ultimately the group in the room loved, right? And they, they just, you won this, this is an amazing idea. And it was, and it was clever. And then it went to a commercial and it was actually that idea in an actual commercial. And, and I say that because we haven't really touched upon this, but branded entertainment is just, it is, it is not the future it is now. I agree with you. And, and, and I, we were watching now. I was like, wow, like that's not as good as the one that star power is a part of with blackish and our pharmaceutical client in the diabetes space and Anthony Anderson, which we can get into in another time, but it was yep. pretty damn good. And I think, you know, being to the point of content creator, being and having the ability to sit with these show creators, content creators, Netflix streaming services, and, and actually figure out in a real way how to integrate your products into these shows. Because I think like the days of, you know, Jada De Laurentiis, holding up, you know, the, the, whatever the product might be or using it in her show. Like, it's okay. Like it's kind of yeah. boring. It's kind of, it's kind of very, very baseline. I'll, and, I'll give you I, a great one that we just did, yeah. by the way, to your point. So this client, Ludo, Ludo Lefeb was one of my guys, right? He's got a, uh, a show that he does that he creates on his own called Ludo Ele Maison, right? Yeah. Ludo is really French. He is, you know, he will, he, I mean, he's, you know, born in Burgundy, he's got a thick French accent, and that's who he is. That's what he, what he, you know, that's what he defines himself as. Yeah. Uh, his wife and I have always thought it would be funny if, you know, we did one of those 23andMe tests to come to find out that he's not actually French, right? Yeah. So we got we got him to do a 23andMe test, and the Ludo Le Maison series that we just last did was all based on recipes of where he's actually from. So the season is always eight eight episodes. It's usually all recipes that he does from whatever. This season was actually curated based on the places that we found out he was from. So he was from yeah. so he was from Great Britain. He was British. So we actually brought on Tiffany Amber Thiessen and did an episode with him because she has some British background. You know, we brought he's part Italian, so we brought on Valerie Bertinelli and did meatballs with it. To your point, figuring out creative ways. To, to engage with it again. By the way, whether it's on Blackish or it's on a network television show, or it's something that you're doing on your own and amplifying it through whatever means you need to, because there's so many ways to capture eyeballs now. As long as the content's good, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's definitely not going away. I mean that that is on the that, that is here, and it's and it's only going to get bigger. And that's why it, it, whether you're an influencer, whether you're a content creator. Whether you're doing, you know, a, a, a traditional type of media partnership, creativity, creativity, creativity yep. is the is the name of the game, and Agreed. innovating and innovating and finding new ways to entertain the consumer, 
to to share with them an interesting story and not doing it in an invasive way, but doing it in a way where you're like, huh, that was that was pretty fucking smooth what they just did. <laughs> and, right. and and I actually next time I go to to the supermarket, I'm actually gonna go for that product instead of that one just because if they're if they're playing that way, you know what? I can kind of roll that. I can yeah. roll with that. And I and I think that's why agencies like ours, agencies like what you're doing in really helping these brands stay relevant and think ahead is is makes me excited for where our futures are headed because there's definitely a world and a place for us in a very, very complicated, nuanced space that we play in on, a, on every day. <laughs>